This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Club football is back and what better way to shake the cobwebs off after a tedious international break than a clash between the European champions and Premier League high flyers. Both Manchester City and West Ham will head into the weekend game unbeaten, but will the West Ham-Chester City boys both be happy at full time? Or will the return of Pep Guardiola be able to boost the Blues and burst David Moyes' bubble? I'll be joined by James Jones from the We Are West Ham podcast to discuss just that while predicting what we think might go down at the London Stadium on Saturday afternoon. It's Friday the 15th of September. I am Amos Murphy and this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome to James, um, James from the We Are West Ham podcast. Now, listeners won't have known this, but this is our third attempt at doing it, and um, it's been it's been quite the morning trying to get a recording done and dusted. Technical issues. My dog, I've done my knee. I've got ligament damage in my knee. I'm hobbling about, but I'm hoping for the final time we can ch- uh, we can chat about City versus West Ham this weekend. Yeah, I'm used to the technical technical uh, problems, mate. So it's been no problem at all. Um, thanks for having me, mate. Um, I'm I'm good. Uh, helped nicely by the fact West Ham have started the season well for the first time in um, a, a good few years, uh, and yeah, it's it's all looking good. I've, I've witnessed my team win a, a, a silverware for the first time in my life. So at the moment, um, things are things are looking good, and it's been a good start. Perfect, perfect. Um, right, okay, we're going to have exactly the same conversation, so this will be very uh, very dull for us, but hopefully insightful for the listeners. 
it's been quite the couple of moments for West Ham fans, hasn't it? Obviously, going back to Prague, winning the Europa Conference League, heading into the summer, waving goodbye to Academy product, captain Declan Rice, hero of the club, not really doing much in the transfer window and then starting the season in fine form. Um, what are your sort of feelings, vibes about West Ham at the moment? I'm, I'm guessing you're in a good place, but it has been a bumpy couple of months. It has been, you know, you you win your first first trophy in 43 years, and you feel like you nothing can can get. You feel like you're over all the problems that you had before. The problems that West Ham have had over the years since the stadium move uh, have been well documented. And it really did feel like we, or it does feel like still actually that we've come out the other side of that and we've, we've finally got our hands on some silverware. Uh, the first bit of silverware for a generation, for many fans, the first in a lifetime, my, myself included. And um, But then the, the summer starts, we lose Decker Rice, we knew he was going to go. We were surprised he stayed for one more year. We expected him to go last summer. Uh, he hung around for another year, thankfully, because then he went and helped us lift our first bit of silverware for, for 43 years. But we knew he was off. We, we we felt like it was coming for a good couple of years. So fans aren't particularly upset that he's gone. They're more upset by the fact that he's chosen to sign for Arsenal and, and not for a team who, who are definitely going to win trophies as opposed to hope to win trophies, but probably won't. Um, and, you know... We had a guest on our podcast this week that put it right. So, you know, if you, if you want to go and win Premier Leagues, you don't go and sign for Arsenal. If you want to go and win a Champions League, you don't sign for Arsenal. Arsenal couldn't even win the Champions League with Thierry Henry. They're not going to win it now. Um, so, the feeling amongst the West Ham, the, the West Ham fans now is that, okay, he's gone. We knew he was going. That's fine. And he leaves, you know, with uh, our utmost, utmost respect because of what he did in the six years that he was in the first team. Um, but the feeling is that he's, he's using now. He's now using Arsenal as a, as a stepping stone, a bigger stepping stone than West Ham. He's just gone to a bigger stone to continue his career. Um, but the, the, given the start of the season, perhaps the feeling is that we, we'd gone as far as we could with him in the team. Um, we, we look far better. We've invested the money well. We got the money that we wanted for him, which is you know 100 million plus. We've got 105. And they've invested the money well, which is which was the worry with the club. It's like you know, okay, if you can get hundred million quid for a player, can we trust you to invest it well enough and and improve the team? And they've done that. James Ward-Prowse, Edson Alvarez, both looking really, really good so far. And we've started the season in a manner that suggests that we we don't miss him and we're not going to miss him long term. So we wish him all the best. Um, I'm just gutted he hasn't gone to City because I think the player deserves to to win everything there is in the game, and he's not going to do that where he is at the moment. Then it was like, okay, well, you got to reinvest that money. There were question marks over whether the club would or could reinvest that money well uh, to ensure that we didn't miss Declan Rice. And for the first two months of the summer, uh, or six, seven weeks of the summer, it didn't feel like they were going to do that successfully. But they have. Edson Alvarez, James Ward-Prowse, Mohamed Kudos, three really, really strong signings. Mavrapanos in defence hasn't played yet, but scored a couple of times for Greece in the international break. So he looks like he could be a good addition. Um, so the summer's been really, 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 really impressive. And then we started the season, like you said, start the season in incredible fashion, really. Um, almost almost a little bit surprising, even though we've, we've been on a, an upward curve under David Moyes for the last four years. It's um, It's been a little bit of a shock that we've started so well. Yeah, I just want to touch on some of those players because uh, I guess 
stereotypically for a lot of listeners, West Ham aren't a team they'd associate with snatching the best, the continent's best talents. I mean, you've only got to go back 10 years and, and West Ham are in the championship. So we are talking about a, a, a meteoric, what, what, what's under, underneath a meteor, like a, a asteroid rise. Yeah. Um, that's obviously not a saying, but you know, it's, it's been, it's been a decent rise from, uh, from the second tier up until obviously winning the conference league. But Edson Alvarez is a, a player who's come from Ajax. He was linked with Chelsea. Ward Prowse obviously dubbed one of the best players not outside sorry, outside of the top six. No, these are, are top quality players. Mohamed Kudus, another Ajax talent um, linked to the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. It must be incredible to be in a position where you're in a bit of a relegation scrap last year, but you've got a European trophy in the bank and you're attracting talents like this. I mean, it must be incredible. It must also be quite confusing mentally to sort of compartmentalise it all as well. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think, I think in today's in today's game, it's it's probably a little bit less surprising for clubs like West Ham to to sign some of the big names, given True. the money that's involved. Um, and then, if you consider the success we've had over the last sort of three or four years, last takeaway last season's performance in the Premier League, but you know, back to back top seven finishes in the Premier mm. League before then, Europa League semi final, and then winning the Conference League, um, and then up until the summer having one of the best English midfielders, uh, one of the best midfielders in the world, really, uh, as your captain mm-hmm. and um, having players like Lucas Pakatar. And then, you know, if you go even further back, you know, we've uh, affiliated with players like Dimitri Payet and, and and players like that. And then, so you, players will look at West Ham and go, that's not a bad football club to go to. Look what Declan Rice has done, look where he is now, you know, look what Dimi Payet did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look where... Their famous academies taken some of their players in the likes of Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, and Michael Carrick, Jermaine Defoe. If you're going to go back even further, so, but at the same time, it is still a little bit like, oh my God, you know, we are attracting a very, very high caliber of footballer quite consistently now. Um, signing Pakatar last summer was was probably the most confusing. It was like, what on earth is he doing at West Ham? Like he's he's far better than us. Um, but then, yeah, Kudos uh, and Alvarez especially. Are, are signings that I think are, are very good for West Ham, but also just uh, evidence that you know, these top players are, are coming to the Premier League first and foremost. Uh, and if your team's in Europe, then you, you know you can attract these, these quality players because these, these players have always wanted to come to the, to, to the Premier League. But now there are more and more clubs that are competing for European competition. You look at Brighton and Villa; they're in Europe this year. You know, Wolves have had it a couple of seasons ago. Leicester. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it, it's surprising in one some ways, but unsurprising others. If that makes any sense at all, it probably doesn't. Yeah, no, no, no. It absolutely does. It absolutely does, and and I think we are seeing a the landscape of the Premier League transform quite rapidly. Um, even going back two, three years ago, I don't I don't think would have expected to be in this position now, where you know a Brighton is a perfect example. The the sort of player they're attracting, um, but. Talk to me about David Moyes then, because I think for a lot of listeners to this show, from a City point of view, he's seen as somewhat of a caricature. Obviously, his time at United was a spectacular failure and we all loved it and we still laugh about it now. But he's he's managed to really rebuild his reputation, hasn't he? At West Ham, obviously winning the trophies is one thing, but also stabilising a club who, prior to that, weren't in the best of shapes. Obviously, I mean, we mentioned it in, in the first recording and the second recording that we've done, but West Ham have struggled in the last few years, so it must be good to have that security. 
Yeah, and there's 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 a, a, a lot of feeling that he shouldn't have gone when he came the first time and saved us from relegation, and, and the club decided not to keep him. Said thanks very much, Dave, um, but we're going to go for Manuel Pellegrini, <laughs> and so you guys will know all about Pellegrini. But and the, the club were, had this thing that they wanted mm. a big they wanted a big name manager. Felt like right, we're at the level now. We've got this big stadium. We want a big name manager. And uh, Pellegrini came in and massively underwhelmed. Uh, and then they mm. brought Moyes back to save us from another relegation. And he did that. And then earned the right to, to stay. And then what he's done since he came back the last time has been nothing short of incredible. You know, back to back top seven finishes, Europe League semi final. I've already said it. You know, winning the trophy. And he has stabilised us. And he's now given us a platform to to really push on. Maybe add, add some more silverware, maybe domestically, and, and continuously compete at least in the top ten of the Premier League, like regularly. And if you're doing that every single year, then you're giving yourself a chance of then sneaking into the top seven and getting a Europe, uh, European spot or the top six. Uh, and every once in a while, you get a, a bizarre year where five of the top six have t- nightmares, and you might sneak, sneak sneak into the top four. Um, so. So yeah, it, what he's done is brilliant, and he's he's certainly up there as one of the best managers in the club's history. I would say now he's got that bit of silverware uh, behind him, and he's definitely he's not just stabilised West Ham United, but he's he's completely rekindled his career. Because yeah, you were right after his stint at, at Man United, then Real Sociedad and Sunderland. You know, he was his career was gone. Like mm. and. Um, I, w- I will admit, when we brought him in the first time, I was like, why on earth are we bringing in David Morris to save us from relegation? He's just been relegated with Sunderland for crying out loud. And like, what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> saved us the first time. And then we get the second time, I'm like, not again. Like, fine. Like, he saved us once. He's probably not going to do it again. <laughs> so I'm the first time we hands up and apologise and go, I oh, was very, very wrong. And David Moyes now is a, is a West Ham United legend. Love him. Hmm. Yeah, there's that video, isn't there, of him with his dad in the in Prague after the Conference League final, which gets me. I'm not even a West Ham fan, but it's really nice to have seen him have that redemption because he's he's a manager who's stuck to his his credentials and he's he's the way he operates throughout a, a sort of a, a quite a changing time in the in the sort of tactical landscape of, of football. At least he's he's a an old school manager who's still doing it in the modern era, which is always good to see. Um, okay, that's it for part one. Join us in a moment as we discuss the fixture on Saturday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast here with James from the We Are West Ham podcast. Um, on this season's results then, and, and we've touched on it a little bit at the start, but it's been it's been a really strong start for West Ham. It, it's a battle of the unbeatens. It's a battle of the European champions, of course. And um, 
draw against Bournemouth on the opening day is pretty much as, as bad as it's been, isn't it? Three wins in a row against Chelsea, Brighton and Luton. It's, you can't really ask for a better start, apart from obviously beating Bournemouth. But, um, you know, only only Champions League winners are able to win four from four. But one one thing that struck me this season, particularly with West Ham, is is their versatility in the way they've played. And a lot of people would, would have looked at that game against Chelsea and, and gone, OK, fair enough. Against Chelsea, they're going to have the ball. But there was, there was just a, an edge of clinical nature I don't think we maybe saw a lot from West Ham last season um penalties are penalties granted but just some, some really gorgeous moves and some really fantastic football being played throughout but that Brighton game I, I guess we're only four games into season is, is one of the results of the campaign isn't it already to go and back it up against Luton having sort of flipped the switch and gone the opposite way dominating possession this time around there's been a lot of versatility and, and it feels like there's a real nice balance within that West Ham team at the moment yeah so under under David Moyes it's 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 well known that we are a team that prefers not to play with the ball we're we're a better team out of possession than we are in possession and um, one thing that has been a, an issue maybe up until the beginning of this season is that going forward, when, when we have got the ball, if we're forced to have a lot more of the ball than, um, than less of it like against the likes of Luton or, or maybe maybe the season against the likes of Sheffield United or Burnley or, or Wolves or, or teams like that where you probably expect to have more of the ball than not, um, then we do struggle in the final third or we have done in the past. This season has been a little bit different. Bowen continuously on fire. And um, and the likes of Antonio start the season well, but we are a better team without the ball. We we prefer not having the ball. We prefer to to play a, a counter attacking style, and that suits us down the ground. You saw what we did to Brighton at the Annex. Uh, not many teams would go to Brighton and, and get a result this season. Um, did it against Chelsea as well, but then against Luton, it was okay. We've got sixty percent of the ball. What do we do? And for large parts of that game, we were really we were almost running out of ideas a little bit in the final third, and we had to rely on a class ball from Pakatar to the back post for Bowen and then a set piece to, to win the game. Um, and um, when there is a concern that, you know, that might be a bit of a, a trend this season in games where we, we, we will have more of the ball and it might be that we won't, we shouldn't expect to, to win or beat teams like that four, five, six nil where the likes of, you know, Arsenal City, Liverpool, uh, Man United might do that. We'll win those games 2-1, 1-0, maybe 3-1 or something like that. So, um, so yeah, we're a better team without the ball, but we're beginning to show that we, we can do it in the final third and players like Pakatar, Bowen, Kudos, um, who we haven't really seen much of yet, uh, will make all the difference in that. And that's probably why we signed Kudos actually, to give us that little bit of uh, clinical edge in the final third, which we haven't seen. Yeah, City fans know what it's like to be on the end of a Jared Bowen goal, but I, I, it's, it's may seem bizarre but there, there is a lot of similarities in that with City and yes City have a 55 goal a season striker in Erling Haaland but occasionally he will have an off day and at which case you need your defence to be able to to rely on them and, and that's sort of what happened in, in City's Champions League run at times um, which hadn't been seen before but um, onto, onto the fixture itself because City have a, a more than decent record at the London Stadium although I think the only one win in the last four, having never been beaten there, at least not in 90 minutes. The only defeat, so to speak, was on penalties in the League Cup a couple of seasons ago. But I do feel like, and this will come as no surprise for regular listeners, I'm often pessimistic or not not optimistic going into matches. But I do feel like, given West Ham's form, it could be the best chance to get a result against City. I, I, I 
maybe a, a win for West Ham would come as somewhat of a surprise, but come half five on Saturday afternoon, I won't be surprised if there's a two-two draw in there like there was a couple of seasons ago. I think I think it's going to be tight this year. I think this before Moyes came uh, came back to the club. Playing City at home, used to dread it. You know, I think you'd come to the come to done the stadium five times before then, and two five nil wins, two four nil wins, and a four five one or wherever it was. And um, and it, we used to always dread hosting City at London Stadium. Now it's a little bit different under Moyes. I think it's come four times since, and there's been three draws and and, and a two nil win for City. So we've closed the gap a little bit on City, um, and I feel like. Given the starts of the season that we've had, obviously City are unbeaten, uh, 100% record, uh, and the way and the positivity around the club at West Ham at the moment, I think it's going to be a tight game, and I think the fans will be up for it. The fans are going to be excited to see Kudos because we've not, I think, he only played like four minutes at the back end of the looting game, so he's going to add a little bit of atmosphere, a little bit of excitement as well. And um, I, I, I think we've got an opportunity. City uh, dropped points in ten games last season. Uh, five draws and five defeats, I think it was. Uh, and this is your fifth game this season. So it's, a, it's probably around about dropping points every five games. So this is the, this is the one of your 10 chances that you might drop points this season. Um, hopefully, anyway. And I think I don't think many people will, will raise their eyebrows if it, it does end the draw and, and West Ham do take something from it. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like what it was a few years ago where City could expect to rock up and win 5 or 6 nil. I think it would be tight either way. Yeah, and I'm just looking at West Ham's fixture list. There's, there's a few ties in there sandwiched in between European games as well, which you're looking at and going, that they could be some chastening afternoons if, if that defence isn't on on um, full form. Newcastle, Liverpool, Aston Villa, who who are a bit chaotic on on the day, but obviously can score goals. So this, you know, is is a is a really good chance for for West Ham to get something. Um, final question then, James, if, before I let you go, and and it's sort of maybe a philosophical one, but it, it feels like from, from the outside anyway, that the London stadium has, has finally started to become home for West Ham. Um, obviously you referenced the results that city had at the start of, of that stadium's existence. And, and it did feel a bit like West Ham were playing in a neutral venue at times, but the, I guess the European runs have helped that, but it, it does feel like it's finally starting to develop itself into Obviously, it won't ever get close to what the bowling was. That that's I think that's obviously quite set in stone. But it it does feel like there is an atmosphere starting to build, and it is one of the better ones in the Premier League. And, and that will obviously come into play on on Saturday. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like home. It certainly feels like home now. It took a long time. Um, the first two or three years there were were difficult, and a lot of that was down to the fact that fans were pining after Upton Park. And um, because a lot of fans, and quite rightly so, felt like that they were forcibly moved away, and they were sold a dream a little bit. World class team for a world class stadium was the was the, the the spiel that Karen Brady gave us when we moved. We didn't get that for five years. We're going into our seventh year into the stadium. We didn't get that for four or five years. We got relegation battles and substandard uh, football and. Um, you know, really poor investment in the playing squad. And it's taken up until now, over the last two or three years under David Moyes, to to really start creating memories. And we weren't winning games then, which is why everyone dreaded going. But now we're winning games. We've got a good home record. Um, and we've got some incredible nights to, to remember in the Europa League beating Sevilla. Um, 
and you know getting to uh, and the run to the semi-finals of the Europa League and, and the, the final last year in the Conference League, beating Spurs a couple of times under the lights there, beating Arsenal there, beating Chelsea loads of times there. So even the the penalty shootout against City uh, is it last season in, or the season before in the Carabao Cup, like they're nights that fans will remember and they're they're nights that really make fans want to go back and, and remember it fondly rather than remember it for being battered 5-0 by City or losing 4-0 to Brighton or, or things like that. So it, it certainly feels like home. It's getting there. It's still not perfect. It probably won't be until they knock it down and rebuild it. <laughs> but for the time being, um, it's no longer a burden on the club. I think it's it's become more of our identity as the years have gone on. And that's been coupled with the success we're now currently seeing on the pitch. Yeah, um, it's exactly what City went through, obviously, sort of 10 years prior and, and last season. I think Marca, the Spanish uh, newspaper, dubbed it the harshest atmosphere in Europe. So, you know, you do need time to, to become accustomed to it and, and the fans to feel familiar with it. And I think as well what helps is having fans in the same place for a, a number of seasons and sort of becoming aware with the people that are around, obviously singing sections pop up, etc., etc. But um, no, I'm excited. Are off to there on Saturday, um, although it does need a few more pubs around. It Stratford is um interesting place, um, and, and people who've been will, will know what I mean. But yeah, uh, James, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. If you want to listen to more from James, you can do over on the We Are West Ham podcast. But that's all for today, listeners. A massive thank you. If you haven't already, please hit follow, hit subscribe as usual. If you're looking to listen to more of us before the weekend's match, you can go back to Wednesday's episode where Adam was joined by Andrew and returning contributor George to round off the international break, discuss Gareth Southgate's controversial comments about Phil Foden and start the preview ahead of the West Ham fixture. On Monday, it was me and Adam Howarth. We were reviewing City season so far and also taking the time to amend some pre-season predictions after the transfer window shut. There's also three episodes from last week you can delve into. We reviewed the Fulham win, a 5-1 victory in City's last Premier League game. We were also joined by the Noisy Neighbour podcast to answer some of your listener questions. That was a really fun episode. That one is also available on YouTube at City Report Pod. And Adam and Luke gave it a go at the defend the indefensible. Um, Luke Bardsley saying that Manchester United were the biggest team in Manchester and Liverpool are City's biggest rivals was certainly entertainment that you should check out if you haven't already. Ahead of next week, then, we will be back to our usual five-episode-a-week schedule. We'll kick things off on Monday, reviewing the West Ham game. Fingers crossed that will be in the shape of a victory. And then working ourselves through the week, the Champions League returns. And listeners, guess what? City will be starting the campaign as European champions, which is, um, yeah, still not getting used to saying that. But it's something to look forward to. Red Star Belgrade, obviously, in midweek for City. But we'll call it a day there. It's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, thank you to James. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I've been Amos Murphy. This has been the City Report podcast. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? 
at participating restaurants only 18 and plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.